strange way to start the podcast but it, it's it's christmas time and first let me say merry christmas the second thing i'll say is as we were approaching this this week uh, i talked to angelique and i said you know i want to do something that's profound and i want to make a podcast that touches people and in the mornings we get up and we listen to christmas music and you know there's the favorites the bing crosbys and the Michael Bublé's and all the traditional ones. And then this one came on by Dolly Parton. It's called Hard Candy. And the interesting part about it is it's it's kind of a sad Christmas song. Uh, Dolly Parton's talking about all these things in her life that she needs to do to get turned around. And she describes Christmas as being like hard candy, <laughs> which is a weird metaphor. And um, she wants to lose weight. Maybe she'll just get drunk. Um, you know, it's... It's a hard time for a lot of people. When we talk about Christmas time, there's so much joy in it, and it is a joyous holiday. But I want to speak to you today to the people out there. Hmm. That it's not perfect. Hmm. How do I say this? Yeah, it's it's not perfect right now. You know. I think Angelique and I spend so much time talking about family life, talking about marriage and kids, and we get messages all the time, you know, what a great family, and not trying to be uh, superficial or, or sanctimonious or whatever the word you want to call it is, but, you know, there's there's tough times in everybody's family, and so rather than just say, hey, everything's great, let's talk about those people out there right now who need to get lifted, this holiday season. Maybe it's not terrible, but maybe it's just a tough season to go through. Maybe there's there's despair. Maybe there's disease. Maybe there's heartache. Maybe there's separation. Whatever it may be. And so that Dolly Parton song really just touched me. And there's a couple other things I'm going to play for you here today. But as I sit here, and I'm just grateful, and we have our children in our tree, and, you know, I want to go back to a time that I identify with that Dolly Parton song. <sighs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so, I want to go back to a time when I was probably 29 years old. I had just moved from my home in Miami to be closer to my parents and my brothers and sisters who had moved to Tampa. Now, 29, look, things were going good. Like, bodies in top condition. I'm, I'm in a great spot, you know. But I had to move to get away from some bad things in my hometown. Just, I was not in a good spot. So I literally picked up and moved. But now I'm in a place where my brothers and sisters are all older than me. They're married. Um, they have kids. But my nephews are all way younger than me and, you know, I and I'm alone. And this is why that Dolly Parton song got to me. I don't know what year it was, but somewhere probably around 
2002 or three. I don't know how, like I said, I'm somewhere in my late twenties. And I remember this Christmas, talk about a dysfunctional Christmas. I was just feeling terrible. And I remember, here's my goal. And that's why the Dolly Parton, she says, maybe I'll just get drunk. My goal was to get drunk that Christmas Eve. Like, smashed. That was literally the goal. Literally, I was going to get hammered because I wanted to forget everything. And um, I was staying that night with my parents. And ironically, my brother's house was like two blocks away, like literally two blocks away. And we had a Christmas Eve dinner and everybody was going to sleep. And I started drinking early that night, you know, just like some wine with dinner. And then I remember the pain started to set in, just feeling really lonely, lost. And then I just start hammering like some tequila. And I wanted to get drunk just to forget about it. And I couldn't. Here's the funny part. Have you ever had one of those times where you wanted to get drunk and forget, but you just couldn't? I mean, it's weird. It's And forgive me for saying this. I'm just being honest with you. But you just couldn't. Like, and I was just sober. And I was just like, I can't believe I'm, you know, my plan to forget about everything wouldn't. And I remember vividly, this is such a vivid memory. It's, it's it kind of gets a little bit funny here. Um, and I get, I don't know what time the Pope comes on, but he gave some mass. I think it was like two o'clock in the morning and I'm up in my parents' house. Everybody's sleeping and I'm like, I've drink, I've drink, I've drunken myself sober. I guess that's what you'd say. And I'm watching the Pope give this mass and I'm just, it was just such a weird, quiet moment of reflection. You know, like there were so many things wrong and here I am watching a hopeful message. You know, I had my family, people who loved me. But yet I still fell alone. Have you ever done that? You've been around people who care for you and you've been around your family, but you still feel alone. And so um, I'm watching the Pope and it's just like this surreal moment. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, where is my life? You know, you kind of do like a gut check, like a, a motive check. Where are you? What's going on? How are you doing? And I was just like, oh, this is not good. You know, and I just, God, where are you? And I kind of just talked to God at that moment. I said, where are you? And it was ironic because my sister-in-law calls me up and she's like, hey, your nephew's over here passed out on the, on the lawn. <laughs> so my nephew, if I was 29, he's, he's 11 years younger than me, right? So he's probably like 18 and a big kid, six foot four and like 225 pounds. And she goes, can you come over here and help me get him off the lawn? <laughs> So I literally, I jog over there. I've been drinking all night. I jog two blocks to my brother's house, and here's this big kid passed out face down on the lawn, and he's was in a bad time in his life, you know, like really bad time. And uh, I picked him up, not really picked him up, but dragged him inside. And it was just like this weird Christmas. Here we are, you know, my, my nephew's in a bad spot. My sister-in-law's worried about him. Um I'm in a bad spot. I really hadn't let anybody know about that, you know? I kind of waited for everybody to go to sleep. I, I really didn't let any... At that point in my life, I was really... Kept all my feelings inside. Like, I didn't tell anybody how I felt. I didn't... I didn't make it public. I didn't have friends that I would go to. I didn't have... I didn't have a girl in my life at the time. 
right, that's kind of why I was depressed. I was just kind of like everything that I had worked for um, was kind of just like blah, okay? And so as we get back to this part, I, I want to, you know, this is not about me. This is about you guys. Maybe it's not you, but maybe it's someone you know. Maybe it's not terrible, but maybe it's just, you know, the way the world's going right now. People are, there's a lot of heaviness out there. You know, there's a lot of depression. We People are um, drinking more. We You've probably been touched by a suicide. Somebody in, in your life, maybe close to you, maybe somebody's six degrees of separation, but there's there's a lot of pain, and, and we got to overcome that because the whole reason that we celebrate this holiday. Forget about the cards. Forget about the shopping. Forget about, you know, the Christmas specials and the Hallmark specials. Forget about all that. The whole reason we celebrate this is because Christ was born. And those of you who really know the Bible know that this is an arbitrary date. Jesus wasn't born in December. Um, but this is when we celebrate it. So um, we have to talk about the joy, even when there is none. And I think that's becoming lost in this season of commercials and commercialism. And whenever you ask somebody about Christmas, they're all like, we've been saying this for years. Oh, it's becoming more commercial. And each year, it's right after Halloween, they're putting the decorations in the store. And it's becoming less and less about Jesus and less and less about family and more and more about presents and other stupid things. And well, But we're not doing anything about it, though. We long for those days, but we're not doing anything about it. The whole meaning of Christmas is getting lost. So... Here I was, and you know, I I just look back on that time, and I'm thinking how desperate and in despair I was, and and my nephew who was literally on the at 18 years old on the verge of overdosing and dropped out of high school and um, had been arrested, had wrecked his car, and you're thinking, here's a guy who has no hope. I mean, I literally had conversations with him, like you're either going to end up dead or in jail for sure. I know, Uncle Dave, I know. Yeah, I'll, I'll straighten out. And you know what? He got a girl pregnant. <laughs> it's weird. He got a girl pregnant, and she was, I think, just turned 16, and he was 18. I'm like, wow. It just it just keeps getting worse. But here's the thing. They decided to have that baby. Whew. I remember being at their wedding. And I'm like, wow, this is a messed up thing. I mean, this, this, you know, these are two people who are very young, and this is not a, you know, at least they're having the child, but this is not going to be good. And guess what, guys? I talk to my nephew every week. Um, they have three kids. They're still together. Their oldest just graduated with honors. That that little baby. She just graduated high school with honors and a scholarship. They have two more children. I'm just a little bit overwhelmed this morning. At how God works. Oh, God, I talked to Angelique, and she's like, you better do this one on your own because you're really emotional. And I'm like, you know me, I don't, I don't get that way on this podcast a lot. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I guess I'm not. It's just God works in some weird, mysterious ways when we are down and out. 
when we're desperate. But we're faithful. He comes in and he just turns things around when you least expect it. Turn things around. So, gosh, it was a tough one today, huh? Well, I got some. Uh, I got some things I want to talk to you about about the holiday. Forgive me, jeez, I'm a mess. Oh well, okay. Pull it together, Dave. So anyway, he turned. Obviously, he turned me around. That was probably the worst Christmas that I've ever had. Um, even though I woke up the next morning with my family, and I, again. My intention was to get drunk and forget about everything, and I just had this moment of clarity. It was weird, strange moment of clarity. And that's why I want to come back today and really emphasize what this holiday is about, really give you a message of hope for Christmas. You know, uh, Jesus came to do a lot of things. He came to do, this is what we have to remember on Christmas. Don't forget this. He came to do the will of the Father. He came to save sinners. He came to bring lightness to a dark world. He came to bring... Um, he came to bear witness to the truth, right? It says, so uh, when Pontius Pilate asked him, so you're, you're the son of God, he says, you say that I am the king, you know? For, for this purpose, I was born. I've come into this world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice, John eighteen thirty seven. Jesus came to bring joy. So if you're having a hard time, you know, Jesus came to bring joy. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring to you the news of great joy for all the people. Luke 2.10. And most importantly, he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. So many of us have been lost Angelique wears a shirt, you know, when we talk about the, the he came to save the 99, uh, leave the 99 to save the one, the lost sheep, you know, I think we're all lost sheep, and some of us have been saved, some of us have been found, some of you out there right now are still looking to be found, and so when we look at the Bible, and you open it up, and you start to think about all the lessons in there of God coming to people when they were on their last leg of hope, when they couldn't see any light, when they were totally lost, and and he spoke to them. Whew. You know, Christmas time is a time that brings people together, but it's also a time for a lot of people that have a really, really tough time. You know, and... But there's so much hope in it, and I think that's what we need, especially now. I mean, in December 2022, when the world is falling apart, there's not a lot of hope. And I, I'd be the first one to admit, gosh, sometimes it's just hard to see that light. It's hard to see it in our modern world because there's just, you turn on the news and there's just so much crap. Or maybe in our own personal lives, you know, there's just, finances play such a big part of it. Our relationship whether you're struggling in your relationship or you're divorced or maybe you've never found that person yet and you're giving up hope. Maybe it's an addiction. Someone in your family is battling an addiction. These are all things that we can't handle on our own. You got to go to a higher authority. You got to come to the one who was here to bring joy, 
who is here to bear witness to the truth, who is here to bring light to a dark world, who is here to save us, the sinners. I was a sinner. Still am. But most importantly, to save the lost. So let's let's go to another little thing here. Um, if we're looking at the Bible, you know, one of the, the best stories, and I'll, and I'll kind of take this last half of the show here, and again, apologize for being kind of... <laughs> Ugh, it's just this morning it just it overwhelmed me how God how good God is, but how we still need him. You know, there's there's times when we're desperate and you can all right now think back to a time of Christmas past where maybe you were really hurting and now things are good, but you know somebody that your neighbor or your relative or your brother or sister that's hurting. And we know that, you know, there's there's times ahead where we're gonna need God. It just doesn't get fixed and then we go away. It's it's a journey. It's it's a lesson when when people ask you how do we how do we move on from the toughest things in life? Well, where is God in the tough things? Well, we have free will. And our free will is to open up the book and listen to him. Our free will is to make the choices <clears throat> make the choices that are going to help us survive and thrive. And you know, he doesn't the book tells us that there will be pain and heartache there will be strife but he come to redeem that and and there's a bigger picture you know we're not going through all this right now for nothing we're going through all this for the, the better life for a new body and a new world and, an, and a new heaven and a new salvation and that all comes down to free will and opening up the book and there's so many stories in the book this is what i missed if you grew up in a religion where you went through motions and you went through repetitive prayer and you went through habitual prayer and you don't really know the stories of the Bible that are there to get you through these hard times. That's the thing that I missed for so long is, and I I get upset about that because I know so many other people are missing it. They're like, oh, great, it's religion. No, it's not. (laughs) This is not religion. My parents, God bless them, they say, oh, our David is so religious. I'm like, I want to stop. I'm not religious. (laughs) That word, I'm not religious. I am a faith-filled person. I'm a spirit-filled person. Um, religious people are people who go and repeat, repeat prayers and who uh, are habitual uh, prayers, but they don't have a relationship so much with Jesus and the book and the stories. The stories are there because they're alive. The Bible is there because we need to hear God speak through the stories and the parables and and give us hope that we're not alone. And that's what gets me, is, is that if you don't know it, and no one's been there to shepherd you, and and you don't know these stories intimately, and and even myself, you know, it's hard. I'm constantly searching for places that help me understand the Bible, and I'm going to give you a couple right here, and I'm going to do my best to tell you about a girl named Ruth, a girl named Ruth and her story, and how it's a story that we all need to hear, because Ruth faced the same things that so many of us are facing right now, the normal challenges of everyday life. Death, moving from one town to another, uh, a lack of financial resources, uh, responsibilities, hardships, uh, hopelessness. Um, and, and God was weaving a story of redemption through Ruth's life, but she couldn't see it. Just like on that day when... I was sitting there at 2 o'clock in the morning wondering where my life was going, and, and I couldn't see it, and God was 
behind the scenes saying, you know, keep your eyes on me. Get in touch with me. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to bring a woman into your life. You, you're alone right now. And it's not going to be tomorrow. It, it wouldn't be to almost a decade later that I met Angelique. So it, it's not immediately. But he's, he's constantly weaving in and out of our lives, setting us up. And if we get impatient, if we get frustrated and we stop looking, uh, we'll never see the victory that he's creating for us. So um, the book of Ruth, if you don't know it, um, it encourages us to view our day-to-day lives as a part of God's bigger plan. Um, it's a story of trust, and it's a story of unending faith and and redemption. And and so Ruth is this girl who she marries a guy and her mother-in-law, Naomi. So Naomi's husband dies, and Ruth's husband dies, and Naomi's like, well, you know, you're still young. Don't hang out with me. And, and Ruth says no. You know, imagine that in, in today's day and age. You know, your mother-in-law says, well, my husband's died. Your husband's died. So, you know, go your separate ways. You're still young, but I don't have much hope. And, and Ruth says, no, where you go, I'll go. And your God will be my God. And where you die, I'll die. So it's it's a story of Ruth really being unselfish. And at in those times, in the days just after, well, I guess it was after Judges, if you were a widow and uh, you were not in your homeland, I mean, it was not an easy life. And so there's so many things today. If you're a, a woman out there who's divorced or a woman out there who has uh, moved and or husband's passed, you know, it's you can relate to this, but how can the rest of us relate to it? Well, I can relate to it because sometimes we just can't see hope and we're in a place where that's strange and the odds are against us and we have no reason to believe that anything good is going to happen. And we're just think, wow, I got dealt a really bad deck here. And where's God? It's kind of like what I was asking myself that night. How is he going to provide a place for me to live? How is he going to create a miracle in my life? Um, and it comes with faith. You know, he took a poor, uh, a hurting uh, mother who had lost both her son and her husband. Um, he took him to another place. And in these days, when you went to another place, I mean, if if you didn't have a husband, it was tough. So they meet this, they go to another place. Ruth stays with her. And forgive me for those of you guys who are more versed in this story. I'm going to do my best to give you the cliff notes here. But anyway, how it relates to us is they found a guy named Boaz. And, and Boaz was a good man. And here's the the important part is um, there are tough roads. And it was so bad that Naomi even changed her name to Mara, which means bitter in Hebrew. Imagine you're in such a bad place that you change your name <laughs> to something that means bitter. And what happened was the story was they found this man, Boaz, um, and Boaz was a man of noble character. He was a good man. And so if you're a woman out there, that's the most important part, is look for a good man of noble character. It didn't say Boaz was the most handsome. It didn't say he was the richest. It didn't say he was going to provide everything for her. Now, he could, but it didn't talk about his 
you know, 18-inch biceps. It didn't talk about his waist. It didn't talk about his straw jawline. It didn't talk about how much money was in his bank account. He said he was a man of noble character and a good man. And I think that's what we're missing out there. So many women out there are looking for men who are rich and handsome instead of a man who is of noble character and who loves Jesus. And so if you're struggling, women, find a man who loves God first. Men, if you're struggling out there and you're looking for love in all the wrong places like I was, find a woman who loves Jesus first. I'll say it again. If you're struggling and you're looking for somebody, find a person who loves the Lord. That should be their highest and most visible character. Someone who loves the Lord. Boaz refers to... uh, refers to Ruth herself because he knew what she did for her mother-in-law, Naomi. He knew the sacrifices that she made, and and he refers to her as a woman of noble character, a Proverbs 31 woman. Again, look at our superficial world. Look at the Kardashians. Look at the the stories we see. You know, I just read a story um, of... uh, Kate Hudson, who's got three different children with three different men, and she says she's crushing it in her family. I'm like, that's not a woman of noble character. I mean, things happen. I get it. Nobody's perfect. People get divorces. People, you know, relationships fall apart. It's not the way that God intended it, but I'm not trying to disparage people. But don't say I have three children by three different guys, and, and this, is, this is the way it's supposed to be. A woman of noble character, a man of noble character, we got to get back to the ways that God intended it to be. If you've had a rough time, if, if look, my nephew and his wife got together. It wasn't the best way, but look what, look what has become the fruit of it. Just because we have mistakes in life doesn't mean that we give up on what's right. I mean, I lived a, a whole decade of my life running from God, doing the wrong things. So what we see in Ruth is a woman of noble character. What we see in Boaz is a man of noble character. And, and what happened was uh, Boaz tried to marry Ruth off to a, another guy, and the guy wouldn't have her. And so Boaz himself marries her at the end of the story. And um, Okay, here's what's interesting about the story of Ruth that I found out. And this is from one of my favorite resources. It's called The Bible Project. And there's so many resources out there, but I love the Bible Project. If you're if you're a new Christian or you're a Christian who wants to really understand things, it's kind of like this amazing kind of Cliff Notes version. And, and the the thing I love about it, it encourages encourages people to read the Bible. It doesn't say here's the Cliff Notes. It says first thing off, read the Bible. But after you read the story, use this as a resource because it's it's a really great way to see it unfold in front of you, to hear this person kind of shepherd you through the story and give it meaning, especially some of these Old Testament stories. It's very hard to find uh, how they work. And if you just open the Bible, New Christians, if you just open the Bible, sometimes it's very hard to understand it. So the Bible Project is a great way. It's one of my favorite resources, and it encourages you to read the Bible. It doesn't say just use this. It says read the Bible, but then if you need help understanding one of these stories, let me give you some help. And the thing I love about this way, how it explains Ruth and the story of Ruth and Naomi, is it says that God is really never mentioned by the narrator. So listen to this. This is very interesting. 
Arts. This story is beautifully designed, and that design actually connects with a really interesting feature of the story, and that's how little God is mentioned. Right, the characters talk about God a few times, but the narrator actually never once mentions God doing anything directly in the story, and that's its brilliance. Because God's providence is at work behind every scene of this story, weaving together the circumstances and choices of all these characters. So Naomi, her tragedy leads her to think that God is punishing her. But actually, the whole story is about God's mission to restore her and her family. And he's doing so through Ruth, through her boldness and loyalty, which brings healing to Naomi's life. But not without Boaz, who's a no-nonsense farmer who's full of generosity and loyalty. And so God uses his integrity combined with Ruth's boldness to save Naomi and her family. And so, Wow. Okay. So think about that, right? Sometimes we think we're being punished, but what's happening is a restoration in our life. When we don't see God and we're at the times where we are on our knees and we are crying out in desperation and we're like, where are you when I need you most? Right? There's a restoration, there's a healing going on behind the scenes, but what happens is we always, we want it to be like a movie where we cry out and it happens overnight, and sometimes it does. God can do amazing things. Sometimes he happen, it happens right away, but I'm a, I'm a human living testament to, it was, it was a two-decade-long process. When I, when I re- relate to Ruth and how she felt, and I relate to moving, you know, I left my hometown. I, I had a religion, but I didn't have a relationship. I cried out in desperation and it wasn't just it wasn't just overnight but it was a process of healing where I didn't see God moving behind the scenes I didn't see what he was doing if and you think back to my life now and you know and you think if I wouldn't have done that this would have never happened you know and I think how God was moving Angelique at the same time we didn't know that you know, God was doing things in her life and was doing things in my life that have led to where we are right now, but we couldn't see that. I'm sure there was times where Angelique was in desperation, but we didn't know each other. We might have been a decade away from meeting each other. But what happens is there's loyalty and integrity, and if we have to have a heart to at least listen to God. And, and that's the process that I want to describe here is Ruth and, and Naomi and Boaz— all people who had noble character, who wanted to do good things. So if there's a simple message is we're not always going to be perfect. We're not always going to do noble and good things. But if our heart is in the right place, and if you're having a hard time this holiday season and you're thinking to yourself, I uh, I don't see hope, put your heart in the right place. Start to open things like the Bible Project. Start to listen to the stories and start to have faith because God is going to work in ways that you don't see. And, and don't just have faith for a day or a week. You know, God wants us to be expectant of his of his treasures and of his blessings, but he also says, you know, don't test him. Don't say, well, if you don't do this, then I'm not going to do this. He doesn't want to be tested. He wants us to be faithful, and through our faith, there is where we're going to learn the lessons. I wasn't ready for Angelique to come into my life that night or that day. I needed to grow. I needed to get pruned. I needed to go through some hardships. Like my dad always told me, if you don't have anything in life that tests you, if you don't have any hardships, you don't have any pain, then you're not going to realize true joy. And as I listen to my little kids in the background right here, I'm thinking, I wasn't, I was being prepared. I was being pruned at that time. 
And I, I get so emotional this morning thinking about that time and how desperate I was and how lonely I was and how painful I was. Um, and that's why I was overwhelmed with emotion today is because I couldn't see it back then. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. And it, wasn't, it was probably still almost a decade before God really started to reveal some things. And right now, I can't see some of the things that I want most that Him to do in my life. But I know that I'll be faithful. And I know that if we listen to not only Scripture, if we not only open the Bible, but sometimes God, God speaks to us through music. God speaks through us through stories, and He speaks through us through hope. And so the last thing I'm going to, do to you, uh, give to you right now is um, it's, a, it's a song by Nicole C. Mullins, and it's called The God Who Sees. And she sings in such a beautiful way, and she speaks about different Bible stories in this 12-minute song, and she did the song with um, Kathy Lee Gifford, and they produced it, and it's one of the most amazing songs, and every time I hear it, it's just, woof, it just pierces my heart, and it just brings me to tears, and I'm going to leave you with this, I'm going to go out with this, I'm going to say, let Christ into your life this Christmas. If he's already there, open the door further. If you're having a hard time, pray harder, have faith, it may not happen tomorrow, but God is good. He's weaving things behind the scenes, but we have to meet him halfway. And so as I leave you with this song and it fades out, just listen to how Nicole C. Mullins sings beautifully, uses her gift, and how she explains the story of Ruth and how she explains exactly the, the beautifulness of what's going on here. And so God bless you. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And, and I just hope that this opens a door for you and to let God further in to your heart this Christmas season and to believe that Jesus Christ did come to redeem the world. Amen. And then there was another woman named Ruth. She was from the land of Moab. And she was met with grief and heartache. She was a widow, and she lived with her mother-in-law, who was also a widow. And now it was time to move on. But Ruth had never been to Bethlehem. She had never tasted of the house of bread. But now she had heard an inner invitation to come and taste and see. And so she vowed herself to her mother-in-law and said, Where you go, I will go. Where you lie, I will lie. Where you die, I will die. And she begins a journey to the promised land. She's traveling through the desert. And she's leaving her despair. She's hoping for a future Praying God will lead her back And he says I will put a ring around your finger And I will bless a child within your womb And the Savior And he'll make all things new for you and love you.
birth to a son, Obed, who gave birth to a son, Jesse, who gave birth to a son named David. Now this same once shepherd boy, mighty warrior, anointed king, is alone, terrified in the darkness. He's hiding in the desert He's battling despair David thinks his life is over It's over And God, he doesn't care But God says